Welcome to This Week in Common Sense, starring Paul Jacob. My name is Timothy Verkulam, and I'm here to help Paul run through the big stories of the week that have appeared at thisiscommonsense.org. That's the web address for Common Sense with Paul Jacob, the program Paul's been running since 1999. You can find Common Sense with Paul Jacob also on Facebook at the at sign, This is Common Sense. So, Paul, what's the big stories of the week? I know the president gave a big speech last night. Well, I thought maybe I should open up just by reading the beginning of the new non-normal. Too much of what's happening in our country today, President Joe Biden offered last night. And when we're taping this, it's Friday, so it was actually last night, is not normal. Boy, can you say that again? The new non-normal. That was uh, our September 2nd piece, uh, Tim, and and uh, it was about Joe Biden's speech. And there, there's a lot you could say about that speech. Um, I, I chose to basically point out in several respects how uh, the charges Joe Biden was bringing against the MAGA Republicans, kind of an ill-defined, semi-fascist, that's what he called them earlier in the week, uh, semi-fascist group, but but charges like that somehow they couldn't get over the past, <laughs> even though, you know, who's bringing up critical race theory and, and who is just completely wedded to what statues from 100 years ago are still standing or not, and uh, and have at it. But, uh, you know, it's the kind of thing where it's almost silly when he makes some of these charges or people who can't get over election and an election. Well, who are those people? From a political standpoint, it's everybody on the Republican or Democratic side because the Democrats never got over 2016 and the Republicans, by and large, have not gotten over uh, 2020. And I take that back a little bit because it is the one place where there's a separation between what I would consider, you know, super pro-Trump Republicans and other Republicans who are going to vote for Trump over uh, Joe Biden or Kamala Harris or or uh, Gavin Newsom or probably whoever, whatever lunatic on the left, the Democrats nominate, but are not pro-Trump in the same sort of way. Um they they don't go along with the, oh, the 2020 election was stolen. And it's not a matter of those Republicans, little tangent here, but it's not a matter of those Republicans um, thinking that, oh, the election was perfect, the, the cleanest, best election in American history or anything, because I think uh, speaking as one of those people, um, uh, I tend to vote Republican. I tend to work more with Republicans, especially on election reform stuff in the in the last year or two. And uh, and most of the people I work with uh, have a pretty, you know, uh, solid understanding of some of the different things that happened that shouldn't have happened. There were uh, things that state officials did, that legislatures did in 2020 that simply were not constitutional. Uh, courts have come back later and said, oh, that was not constitutional. So that's a problem. It's not the same thing as the election was stolen. 
but it's gee whiz, uh, we don't know exactly uh, you know what happened, except we know that the rules weren't a hundred percent followed. Um, and you know, it's a COVID year. There's all kinds of excuses, but but there is a a, a dichotomy out there. I think not so much on the issue of whether 2020 was a wonderful process, because I think it's pretty universal on the Republican side, it was not. But on whether they're invested in the last election, um, I think most folks have moved on. And uh, uh, it's something that, frankly, in 2016, most Democrats never had to move on because there wasn't the same media largesse out there uh attacking oh my goodness how could you say these weren't the most wonderful elections ever in 2016 or 2017 or 2018 or 2019 or 2020 you could prattle on all day and night about how trump and the russians and everybody stole the 2016 election and you're going to get pretty much overwhelming support among the mainstream media with you know the the usual fox news exception you watched every minute, every word of Biden's speech. Is that correct? Yes. Finally, I was able to get a copy and watch the whole thing. And it, it wasn't that long a speech, but it was it was it's still difficult to get through. The sections I watched and the stills I saw made it look like a Nazi rally with Antifa colors. Um, and that was really repulsive, by the way. I thought it was just astounding. Do you have any thoughts on that? I did. I, I didn't like the red kind of commie background. <laughs> I thought that was a little too much. I didn't like the two Marines in the background. Yeah. I specifically did not like that. It was a campaign speech. Even if it was a presidential address, I just think it's not quite right to put military people standing behind you as if they're on your team because you know, we have kind of this long-standing uh, tradition in the United States that the military is not on the president's political team on this party's side or that party's side. So I really didn't like that. And I just thought the red color was, one, not not the most attractive uh, uh, foot forward and a little bit commie. Yeah, and I thought a little Nazi. I mean, to me, it looked like Lenny Riefenstahl. Yeah, the Nazis like that red too. Well, they love the bold colors, the propaganda from the from the, the yes. World War II period. It's it's amazingly colored. I mean, the, the Germans and the Russians both did amazing propaganda posters. Red yeah. is apparently the most uh, vibrant color, or something. It it gets the the biggest reaction from people's brains. But I think it's also the color of in, in that shade. It's the color of anger. And did Biden come off like an angry man? He looked like you an know, angry man in one or two skills, stills I saw. Yeah, to some degree, but it's like, it's hard to think of him as angry because that's almost, every time I see him, I'm thinking he's old. And 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 I say that, look, I'm old. <laughs> Lots of people are old. I know people who are older than Biden who don't strike me as old in the same way. He just... He just strikes me as feeble and and uh, and and it's 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 off putting, not in a, you know, not in a it's not. Oh, he's not somehow tough enough. You just feel for him some and you feel for the country that are put forward is someone that maybe other countries, folks like, you know, Vladimir Putin or or Xi Jinping are kind of looking at and going, geez, you know, if, if we just had a fistfight between leaders, we'll take America pretty easy. Uh, but but anyway, I. 
what I what I also think comes through, and I think he chose his words carefully, and he did different things to say not all Republicans, you know, like uh, you know, if 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 Trump had attacked and said something like that, the media would just ignore it. But that's been played up that he wasn't talking about all Republicans. There are mainstream Republicans, the ones who work with Biden, but but the reality is he is going to war against Republicans in a way that the whole point of his campaign, like the number one theme of his campaign is we can all work together and I'll heal America and I'll bring people together. He hasn't attempted step one of trying to pull people together in any way. He's governed completely from the Democratic side with really no serious foot forward to Republicans and he attacks them as as fascists. Um, that's not that doesn't lead to a kumbaya moment. And in in fact, you know, you think, well, it's because of Trump. That's what it is. Trump is just a fascist and a wannabe dictator. And so the Democrats and folks like Biden are trying to fight back against that. And and so they call him a fascist, and maybe he's just a semi-fascist, which of course is the term Biden used this week. Uh, and, and so there's all that excuse making, but I heard a fellow on the radio point out something really important. If you think this is Biden's response to Trump, then explain this one. Do you remember back when Mitt Romney was running against, uh, the Obama Biden team? And what did he say then? He said that Mitt Romney wanted to put black people back in chains. That's the exact terminology that Biden used. He wants to put y'all back in change. And he used the y'all because he had to be, you know, down homish. But um this is and and again and again, I think I think that the thing I find maybe not most troubling, but one thing that's I'm always thinking when I hear people talking about Trump as if that's the problem. It's so obviously not the problem. It, not that he's not a problem, because he is in a lot of ways, but it, it didn't start with Trump. This, almost every problem we have, the media cheating and lying, the uh, this, this viciousness back and forth, this kind of desire for the federal government to do everything, you know, the old Obama line of, you know, the government can can be such a force for good, which is kind of the antithesis of the whole Reagan, you know, mantra of, you know, the, the, the government is the problem. It's not solving the problem. And and that has become something that I think, uh, you know, if you step back, Republicans are portrayed as this extremist, anti-government, so on group. But when you look at, at the politicians, they love big government. Republican politicians love big government. Democratic politicians love big government. The scary thing is that the Democratic politicians have gotten to where they're not very shy about pushing different things that are big government. And, uh, the, you know, the whole when people talk about the reset, which we've talked about different times and, you know, some takeover from the World Health Organization or what have you. I mean, that seems like silly, crazy stuff. 
until you realize that the CEO of YouTube basically said that anything that doesn't agree with the World Health Organization having to do with COVID or other stuff is going to be censored on their platform. Um, and and the more that we talk about things like the threat from China, um, we try to remind people this is not just a U.S. good, China bad, our country versus their country. The problem is that the Chinese, as the U.N. couldn't quite say this week, they came out with something. I may talk about it next week. Uh, they came out with a thing about Xinjiang and uh and what's going on there and and called it out a hundred percent except they didn't use the term genocide everything they're talking about forced sterilizations they're talking about browbeating people out of their religion uh rape as a as a torture uh device uh all kinds of horrific stuff but because of all the lobbying and control from china in the un and all the bribery and so on and so on and threats uh, they were able, one, to delay this report forever, but then, you know, were able to kind of uh, get them to just stop short of calling it genocide, even though everything they pointed out, what is that? That's genocide. Um, but but that's, you know, we we live in a world in which that's going on. And the response of our own government is is slow and and kind of pathetic and and part of it is i think when it comes to things like covid a lot of our leaders the you know from fauci to to various politicians they like the chinese model they like the idea i mean they they did the lockdowns china did the lockdowns china did the lockdowns even a little bit more muscular um and they kind of admire that whereas i think the american people are waking up to the fact that uh, and we talked about this last week and the 7% and the, the polling that came out that showed that, you know, there's, there's hardly an institution other than small business and the military are the only two institutions polled that a majority of the people had any confidence in. And and so we, we're, we're living in this pretty dystopian world. And Joe Biden, the unifier in chief, is the divider in chief who's calling the other team fascist and semi-fascist and acting like if you don't agree with him you hate democracy so it's it's uh you know the 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 tables being set again and again for a completely dysfunctional uh country and government and and we have i think a really tough time getting beyond it because with social media and other things so much of the public is invested in that. And, and you can hardly blame them because, you know, when someone says, I'm scared to death of the Democrats, uh, which is something it seems like, Tim, you've said more than a couple of times, and I've said more than a couple of times. Well, the, the knee jerk is then, well, you, you know, you got to, you only have two major parties. You got to go with the Republicans. And, um, and yet the Republicans scare me to death. I was on a call. I, I may have mentioned this in a previous podcast. I was on a call with a number of people and listening to a, a pollster uh, talk about, this was earlier, probably back in February or March of this year. And he was talking about how pitiful the, the numbers were for Democrats and how people were absolutely just livid with the Democrats, couldn't believe how bad they were, were scared of them, you know, and, and were going to vote Republican. And then he made the point, which I thought was, was, uh, a good one to make. He said, don't get me wrong. 
there's no real support for Republicans. In other words, this is not this poll and the increased numbers for Republicans is not a factor of people saying, yes, those Republicans, I really trust them. Uh, I really like them. It was the Democrats scare us so terribly much. Uh, and and it is, we're, you know, we've got a, a cultural revolution going on in the United States. I mean, China was through with, their, with theirs before the 1980s hit. So, uh, you know, it's it's uh, uh, barely maybe, but but it's it's we, we live in very frightening times. And Mr. Biden's speech on Thursday night was to double down on that sentiment. My biggest complaint with what I read, and I think it was from the tweets from the Biden administration. Uh, I didn't really watch the speech. I saw the tweets and I saw the images. Uh, but from the tweets was the charge, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the charge was that the people who can't accept the results of the last election are therefore anti-democratic. Well, it's disingenuous to claim that somebody's anti-democratic for thinking that the election was stolen. That means that you support democracy, but you think that somebody stole the damn thing. That's not anti-democratic. That's that's the kind of argument from Democrats that I find so vile, is that they make this kind of thing all the time. It's plausible in one way, and it's, yeah, you get, if, you, if you're you're in the mindset, it makes sense, right? I mean, you can see because they're they're not accepting the results of an election. That, they're not democratic, but that's not exactly what they're doing. They're saying it was stolen. Now, the Democrats, like you said, said that in 2016. However, what they found out is that they didn't they couldn't quite prove it as well. Uh, there, there was much less shenanigans. I mean, there was some rush. What the Russians did was 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 trivial. I think people don't realize how trivial in the sense that yeah. one of the big things they did was to run Facebook, do stuff on Facebook, trying to cause more fights as as if anyone needed help in fighting on Facebook. Uh, but but I believe they spent two hundred thousand dollars. Well, I mean, Facebook this anyway, is yeah, if if, if if Russia can come in with two hundred thousand dollars and and change the outcome of the election, um, I'm surprised there aren't more countries lining up. And of course, they they probably are. the The reality is they didn't change the outcome of the right. election. Now, I've been before the 2016 election. I mean, for the last 20 years, I've been saying that we can't trust our elections because there's too many uh, electronic voting machines. And since so many of the electronic voting machines and voting systems are run by uh, companies that are also uh, military industrial complex players, that is the same companies that make bombs and jets and things like that, and computer systems for the military are also this. I mean, who knows what the deep state connections really are? And I, I, I mean, I've suggested that we don't know any election really. And that's says we don't know that. We just hope that that's they're they're okay. That's what we really do is we have hope. We don't have knowledge. We can't have knowledge when we know that those systems are not secure, and we've known that since two thousand. Here's the other thing: we have not been asked to put our heads around this and to come up with ways to reform our elections to restore confidence. There are folks in office who want to gain an advantage. And no matter what they're doing, even when they're doing the right thing, it's going to be the right thing that helps them gain an advantage. Just trust me. It's no nobody among the, the players whose lives and fortunes and careers ride on the election process are going to give up the advantage 
and and so yes, they might suggest reforms that are good reforms that I'm for, um, but they're not going to suggest the good reforms I'm for that hurt them. They're only going to suggest the ones that help them, uh, and and it no issue is more important. It's like redistricting. And redistricting, in my mind, is not it, it, it doesn't have as much impact as I think a lot of people think it does. But it's not a it's not a healthy thing for politicians to be able to, to pick their own districts and to and and when the state legislature picks them for the congressional delegation, there's all kinds of bad things going on. That doesn't make it really much better. Um, and so everyone kind of recognized that's not the way to do it. With the election process, uh, we'll, we'll look at one of the issues I've worked on is voter ID. And pretty much you can't function in society without an ID. And so one of the benefits of voter ID laws is that for it not to be a poll tax, they have to make IDs free, which will actually help the, the very tiny percentage of poor people who don't have an ID, who might want, want one, but $10 or whatever amount that it cost is uh, is a barrier. Well, that barrier is gone. But voter ID is something that 75, 80% of people are in favor of. Majority of Democrats are in favor of. Uh, majority of, of every ethnicity and race. Majority of male, female. I mean, any way you want to slice it up, the country is for it. The media and the far left of the Democratic Party are against it. And they're vehemently against it, against it to the tune of spending millions of dollars against it, if you're talking about the Democrats, and with the media in completely altering their coverage to be unfair in favor of their political position. And and so, you know, just a, a, anything like that where it's a it's a unifying position across the board we could take some steps in that direction that would cause almost everyone to say our elections are in better shape and yet we you know that it's fought tooth and nail by the people who have a very strong vested interest in the current process look at look at what they said about georgia and the speech that that biden gave he also mentioned, you know, the voting things and somehow Democrat Republicans are trying to stop people from voting and suppressing the vote. And one of the, you know, the the exhibit A for the Democrats would be that law in Georgia. That law in Georgia that after it went into effect, they had a much bigger turnout than they had had four years ago uh, in the same sort of off-year election. And, and does the media say, oh, well, gee, more information. Let's get that out to the public and let's have everybody, ourselves and the public, reassess our position with these new facts. No, no, that's not a story. It's not going to be a big story in the New York Times or the Washington Post or the, the mainstream media. Uh, they're going to hide that story. We call it suppression. There's a lot more voting we ignored a lot more voting and continue to call it suppression. So it's, it's you know, nothing in my mind calls on the public to be more engaged than the election process itself. And we're, you know, for the most part disengaged, except where people have gotten active. And we did an initiative in Michigan that uh, will be on the 2024 ballot. Um, 
not the 2022, unfortunately, but there's a measure in Arizona on voter ID and getting a handle on on some of the things like that. It's, it's not, you know, it, it's not nirvana that, that gets ushered in, but anything that would give people more confidence. And it, it reminds me of another issue that I've done a bunch of work on uh, that people are starting to see is, is maybe makes some sense to be talking about. And that's citizen only voting. I think I, I like immigration. I want people to come here. I want America to be an asylum for mankind, which is what Thomas Paine, uh, kind of the the uh, the guy, our guy at thisiscommonsense.org. Uh, that's what what he said America should become. I want people from all over the world. I love it. I love when an American wins a gold medal in the Olympics. You don't know whether they're Asian American or African American or European descent or what, because we're a melting pot. I love that. But I want people who vote to join the club. Uh, if you're part of a church and you're voting about the church, it seems like you need to be a member of the church to vote. If our family makes the decision and we decide it's going to be democratically decided, which trust me is very rare. Uh, and I don't say that as the grand, you know, I'm I'm second in, in, in command here, uh, at least at the home. And uh, and but you got to be part of the family. And it's the same thing. And and I'm all for for, uh, you know, I don't think it should be a 30 day. You're in the country 30 day. And, you know, if you can say the first president's George Washington, you become a citizen. But I'm not for a, you know, arduous. You know, uh, I think five years is probably longer than it needs to be for someone to become a citizen. Anyway, I think it's critical that we have guardrails, that we have basic common sense things like you don't get to vote in America if you're not an American citizen. And if you want to vote in America, hey, become an American citizen. That's how it should work. And yet December of last year, the city council in New York against more than 60% of the people of New York who opposed non-citizen voting allowed, you know, a hundred, uh, uh, almost somewhere between 800,000 and a million non-citizens to vote, um, including uh, over a hundred thousand Chinese nationals. And, and so it, it is important, I think, for us to push, continue to push common sense things that, that will help, give people confidence, but also send a message as to, you know, if if people think that, gee, anybody can be here for 30 days from, from you know, and be, you know, from communist China and come here for 30 days and vote, that's crazy, I think, to most Americans. And it it's crazy to me. And I think those sorts of issues are very helpful in people assessing who is way out on some limb and who's not. Well, I found that interesting. I don't really have any opinions that are definite on what citizenship should be. I don't. I don't know any of that. I I thought about it, you know, on and off, but I'm becoming. I mean, I just think the system right now is weird, uh, and certainly the immigration is a mess. Uh, considering how many illegals come in, and I find it weird that we have a society where there are people who are working. I guess working. And sometimes getting benefits, but they're working in society illegally. Uh, and yet somehow we want illegal people, people who are not 
contributing to Social Security, I guess, or I'm not sure how this is all working. Uh, it seems like it's a mess, and I don't have any. I don't know how it should be. I don't know how it should be uh, uh, solved, though it seems dumb on the face of it and not commonsensical to give anyone who comes in illegally citizenship. So that if they've ever come in illegally, that seems that they can't be citizens. Uh, though I can't say that I have a great deal of, you know, I'm not thrilled with the system that, you know, determines who's legal and who's not. So yeah, the, the system is broken for us. It's not broken for the Republicans and Democrats in Washington, D.C. It's working just great for them. The Republicans have an immigration issue that they can that they can ride. The Democrats have an immigration issue. They love everybody and uh, they can ride it. And it means that a couple million people come illegally across the, the southern border. They all claim uh, asylum. They get released into the country. They don't show up again. Uh, it, it it Anyone, no matter what your position is on it, if you know the process, you realize this is completely bankrupt. This is completely crazy. It, it's we're releasing people as if they're going to show up for their for their hearing. They don't overwhelmingly. Um, it's it is a mess. And and of course, one of the things and we haven't talked about it, uh, but but most people probably heard about the, you know, Governor Abbott in, in uh, Texas sending people to Washington to basically getting people who've come in on asylum claims and get sent wherever by the federal government, he said, hey, do you want to take a bus to Washington, D.C. or to New York City? And of course, the mayor of Washington, D.C. And, and the mayor of New York City are apoplectic that, oh, my goodness, what a horrible, terrible thing you're doing. What a huge problem. We can't handle all these people. And and literally clueless as to the fact that that's his whole point. That's his whole point is that you thought it was just fine. When all those people were dumped on Texas's welfare rolls and 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 different government services, but when it's on yours, all of a sudden it's a big big problem, and uh, and you love these people, he doesn't. But of course, he hasn't moaned about taking care of them nearly as much as you have, and 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 so this is, it you know for for anybody again, it's I just think it's important for people to realize. We all have positions on what the rules maybe should be and so on, but it's not even about that. It's about that they don't care that this is crushing this state or that state or this is a problem for somebody or that these people are sitting in cages or what have you, you know, cages both in Obama and, and Trump's time. Um, and they are winning politically. And so I don't see that there's going to be much of any change. It's a, It's, again... The solutions to these problems are not going to be found in the two parties who are gaining by the dysfunction. Speaking of dysfunction, we should shift gears and talk about uh, one. Let's talk quickly about uh, child corpses pile up, um, which is it's sort of, Tim, it's a concern of mine. Anytime I hear that child corpses are piling <laughs> up, it bothers me. I don't know. I'm, uh, you know, I'm crazy that way. But this week, uh, you know, we had a, a, a script. Uh, we always, I always call them scripts, but we had uh, on on Monday, I guess it was, or Tuesday. What, what day was it? Monday. Monday. Uh, we had child corpses pile up. And what we were talking about are two uh, uh, kind of viral moments 
Uh, one was Sam Harris, uh, who basically said, and I will quote, at that point, Harris elaborated, talking about the run-up to the 2020 elections, Hunter Biden literally could have had the corpses of children in his basement. I would not have cared. So we were we were talking about that. There was his comment that basically said winning the election is more important than child corpses piling up. Seems even a little more than hyperbolic. It seems like one of the just grossest things I've ever heard. But, you know, we have to we have to face facts and we have people uh, who are, you know, important contributors to the voices in our country uh, being bandied about in social media and other media who basically don't care if someone kills a bunch of people, little kids, hides them in their basement, as long as the right person gets elected president. Trump was so bad that we would elect someone who has children, you know, in their in their basement. And this was all because Zuckerberg had come out and said uh, that the FBI had warned Facebook about, you know, don't be careful what you publish uh, here in this run up to the to the election, because there could be Russian disinformation. And to me, that is not the job of the FBI to speculate and to, in essence, sort of suggest that, hey, watch what you say. And to think that it's the left that thinks it's okay for the FBI to be whispering into the ears of, of media folks. Uh, it's just, it's horrifying. So any any thoughts, thoughts there before I, I do want to jump to... Uh, to what's becoming more of an issue now that they've uh, they they we have new a new booster, a new booster shot for uh, for COVID. Well, I just wanted to mention that I think that the left and right are inhabited by different people now. That is, psychologically, the people on the left are conservatives, and psychologically, the people on the right are just normal people. But what I mean is that the left is trying to maintain power. They're consolidating power and they're hysterical about power. And so they act like what we, I thought conservatives always acted like, because in the, when I was young, leftists were actually sometimes concerned with things like uh, due process and the and a runaway surveillance state and all that. They don't give a, a smallest interest in that anymore. And I think it's largely because as soon as you get power, your incentives change you actually if you're a start leftist if you get in power then you become a rightist if, if in my terminology yes uh, but yes and we're not talking social conservative we're talking about conservative in terms of conserving what you have exactly as opposed to i define left and right in terms of defensive in-group and, and defensive out-group left is defensive out-group uh, right is defensive in-group and so i just that's one of the th reasons that the left and right these days are so crazy is that in some ways they've switched roles not in all ways because the people on the left still are addicted to all the symbols of left-wing gestures but they but their attitudes toward many things is just relentless and ruthless defense of their power and defense of the institutions that give them power and that's why they're so crazy right now is it's it's hard to be both left and right so tuesdays was the method to the current madness yes 
Go read it at thisiscommonsense.org. It's interesting to me that the, you know, they've just come out now with a a new booster for uh, Omicron B4 and B5 varieties or variants. And, um, and they're pushing it for everybody, I guess, 12 and older. And it was suggested in one place that I heard where they said, you know, if, if people are compromised, this may be a good thing to help them. Uh, Fauci was, was on TV today saying everybody should get it. Um, there, there seems to be no, no sense that, uh, or no discussion of the fact that <clears throat> these, uh, these, um, vaccines and the boosters and people are still getting it. And of course, it's probably not such a bad thing that they're still getting it. I've been vaccinated. I, uh, got COVID in, in, uh, what was it? January of 21. Uh, I was unvaccinated. It wasn't around then. And, uh, and of course I got it because I wanted to go overseas and couldn't really go overseas. You got the it. jab. Not, I got, you the got jab COVID. for that. You didn't get COVID COVID on yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no big advantage getting COVID to go overseas, but that's why I got the jab. And it bothered me that, you know, I had the antibodies and that was a very mild form. And then of course I got COVID, uh, uh, this summer and, you know, it wasn't, you know, much worse than having a cold or mild flu kind of, but, uh, but it was much more robust sickness than it was the first time. And this is after I'm vaccinated. Now, you know, it, one in one individual's case obviously doesn't, doesn't determine everything, but we're seeing that you get the jab, you get the second jab, you get the booster jab, you get the second booster jab, you get the third booster jab, and you still get COVID. Uh, and, and we're told that the mortality rate is much lower if you're vaccinated. Um, but, but this is part of, I think, the overall problem. We're told a lot of things and we don't believe them. And we don't believe them not because we're invested in some conspiracy theory. We don't believe them because you even admit you lie to us. You know, Fauci admitted he lied about the masks early on. Um, we don't trust you. And you have done almost nothing. And I'm saying the great you being the industrial medicine government industrial complex. Uh, we don't trust you. And it's, it's really kind of a sad situation. I still have some trust in my doctor. I know other friends that have become doctors and I look for their advice. Uh, so it's not a matter of oh we we just think we know it all or we don't trust anybody who's you know got a, a MD by their name we do we don't trust the government run medical complex and uh, and you know there there are people who who do and you know it's a free country sort of and and so uh, do what you want to do but um, it it just strikes me as odd that there's been no recognition of the fact that these vaccines do not work in the way that everyone build them to be working. You mentioned several things in your piece. One of them was Alex Berenson uh, and, and his getting back on Twitter and, uh, and that kind of stuff. We had comments. Uh, we had, it was a, let's say a very vigorous comment section this time 
ultra vigorous comment section this time. 14 comments. You yeah. even get got in on the action. Well, we have a regular contributor to the comment section. Uh, I thought you and, were going to say troll. Well, <laughs> she is a troll. Uh, though I'm not sure what her, I don't know what her aim is. Because she's obviously not trying to convince us that we're wrong. Um, <laughs> well, and, 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 you know, she name calls and she does a lot of things that, uh, and, and I say she, it's, it's uh, Pam, you know, it's this sort of thing where, where, uh, you know, we could take all kinds of offense as, as trolls go on the internet, she's not super offensive. I mean, she name calls and stuff, but if that rolls off your back, then well, yeah, she's I mean raising points. The, the biggest problem is her points aren't I, I don't know how else to say this aren't terribly sophisticated in terms of actually engaging it's much more like here that uh hey i in scientific american it says this without a whole lot of analysis as to well what you know what does that mean exactly and how does that engage with with the point yeah and she uh first that she mentioned alex berenson and, and, and said he's a, obviously a right-wing thriller writer and and, and dismissed him on ad hominem hominem grounds uh so that was just a, a, a usual tactic of left and right these days is ad hominem everybody leaps to the ad hominem right away she called me an idiot uh which is you know special and uh and <laughs> and things like that but she didn't recognize that the point of alex berenson was also there's a free speech angle here is that he was unfairly treated and obviously nice. right she didn't address that at all she mentioned that he she after i suggested that she actually drilled out and look at all the links because there's links in the piece all over the place right. if you right. would have looked at the links and we looked at the links and one of them was and she and she bothered to uh watch all of one uh what was it a video by mark stein, uh, mark stein right? and she criticized him for not you know linking it to certain issues his point was that he couldn't because he'd be censored if he would so his whole point was also about censorship. <laughs> and she just sort of blithely goes on. And that's what she did it over and over again. And it's not addressing any of the claims that you made or I made, but making her own points. And and that gets back to what we were talking about on Friday's piece. You know, the, the piece about, you know, yes. the, the debates these days is that we're often shooting past each other. Um, we think we're hitting but often we're just shooting past each other and in her case i don't she might be a russian troll for all i know or a or a, a paid chinese agent because what she does is what i think her i don't know if she i don't know who she is maybe you do but i don't i don't i don't and 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 my thought was she's the person that some agency has assigned to your page to demoralize <laughs> us or just more one person they don't have a whole team yeah, assigned I, don't think, to I don't think they have a whole team i think it's just her now this is just a theory but i can imagine her being just you know she's getting her rocks off doing what she's doing and we all do this to some extent on you know we're, we're, we're having fun uh arguing and calling each other's names but maybe the purpose is to actually destroy americans willingness to debate and cooperate and to destroy any sense of america as a unified thing now i think america should be destroyed now i'm not you're, you're obviously not on this page i think we should secede to many states many unions and put the whole thing under receivership so this is a completely i mean i have a very radical agenda for america because i don't think we can get along anymore and i gave up the moment the democrats were okay with bam and 
Antifa attacking conservatives on campuses back in 2014. Violently attacking. You're not Violently, talking about yeah. uh, a sharp-tongued right. attack. No, We're no. talking about as soon as I a saw brass nuss- knuckle attack. Yes. Yeah, how they behaved on campuses. To, that's the moment, oh, I realize we don't talk anymore. And at that point, yeah. if you can't if you can't debate, then the next thing is the gun. I'm not with you. I'm I'm I, know, I'm I, a, I, I don't I don't think that's so. I think that we're much closer than than uh than we are portrayed and and then we are catalyzed to be at each other's throats and so on. But but I thought one of the interesting things about this back and forth is that it was a back and forth and that nobody like screamed at this uh, as it was going on 14 comments back and forth on this isn't that important isn't it wonderful that there's back and forth and and we 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 don't know everything and so one of the things we point out in this piece is that uh wikipedia had some comments in their thing about uh uh alex Berenson and and they were were treating it as if it was truth or falsehood. You know, he's he, true or false. Everything's true or false. As if we know that always in some great, you know, the, the great government computer in the sky knows that this is true and this is false for all time. And so um, you can, you know, I, I think some of the things she said didn't make good sense our side wins the debate <clears throat> the most important thing is the debate can go on and and when you look at where we are and what's really scary is the degree to which the debate has not gone on at different times what what sam harris was talking about in the child corpses pile up is that he didn't much care that they had censored everything having to do with Hunter Biden during the end of the campaign, because he's just fine, copacetic with the idea that the American voter would be denied information that might cause the American voter to vote for somebody that Sam Harris doesn't want him to vote for. And and if we if we end up having a large number of people outside the government who are A-OK with people being denied information. Knowledge is power. The truth shall set you free. And when someone says, I do not want you to have the truth, it's because they don't want you to be free. It's kind of funny in Sam Harris's case. He thinks that, you know, Trump is just so awful that anything you do to stop him is okay. He abandons principle, normal with principles which he would agree with in every other political case, because he's not a nut. I mean, you know, the right, Samaras right. is not a normally a nut, but he's a nut on this issue, partly because he's a nut on Trump. I mean, he does have TDS. Uh, he misunderstands Trump, I think. I mean, but also, what was the upshot of what happened? Biden got elected, and he appeared on stage as if he were at a, at a commie Hitler rally. Right. That to me, if if the end of Harris's uh, defense of non-principle is to elect somebody worse than Trump, and I think Biden is appreciably worse, worse than Trump, uh, and actually more fascist, overtly fascist, and as well as being regularly and normally overtly communist. Uh, maybe I'm a little bit extreme here, but but it looked 
can't find fascist and it looked communist uh it was a very strange scene it was an ugly i i thought it was just uh, kind of offensive to the eyes and and i wonder i i have not uh, i've been busy today and so i hadn't read a lot of the coverage of it uh, i saw some i saw it last night and and other stuff but i wonder if if many people have addressed that aspect of it well the because, memes have been glorious okay because it it, <laughs> it did really it it kind of struck me, and I wondered if it struck other people. Obviously, it struck you too. That this is this is kind of Nazi symbolism. And yeah. and uh, remember back when, uh, and maybe it was the victory talk and so on in uh, twenty sixteen, uh, not in twenty sixteen, in in uh, twenty twelve or, or two thousand eight. But Obama had that stage that I thought was you know just had kind of some stark what i, I it just struck me as kind of nazi like symbolism much much less you know i guess because of the red lights the, you know, there was the red there was either the a house of ill repute repute or uh or a nazi thing going on there <clears throat> but, yeah, you uh, could sing "House of the Rising Sun" on that, uh, but anyway, yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, but uh, one of the reasons that debate on the method to the current madness was good, of course, was that repeatedly uh, our reader Daniel Kean McKiernan uh, spoke up, and he's smarter than you and I, so uh, <laughs> yes. he is. So he's he's really good at arguing, and he's and he sticks to a point, and he blah blah blah. I mean, he's just, he was just very well done. But even then. One of the things about this issue is that it's hard for people to remember what the real points are because it is a complicated enough issue. Uh, you know, Pam would never address the real issues that I thought you had raised or I had raised in my little comment. And then Daniel raised three or four times, responded to her comments and then said, but you never responded to this. Right. Basic. And then, and that's the, that's the way I say is people are shooting past each other. Uh, but Daniel's so rational that I think that, most onlookers would admit that Daniel won, even if you and I did not. Uh, Pam didn't win that debate. Pam is a really interesting case because I think she may be a paid troll of of Russia or China. I routinely joke, you know, if I if I can't get my phone to work or something else, I I routinely joke that if there's a there's a uh, suite of offices in some tall building in Beijing where they're purposely screwing up my communications. Um, and of course, I don't believe that. I'd be honored if it was the case, but I don't believe that. But but you're suggesting there's there's something like that going on here. I we, think that I think she has decided this is her way to save mankind, is to kind of make sure that we don't delude too many people, Tim, and that maybe by her calling us names, that will cause us to realize, you know what? I didn't think you were right, Pam, but when you said I was an idiot, it just caused me such good feelings inside that I decided you must be right after all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her rhetoric seems to be somewhat ineffective, but then once again, who is she playing to? Because it's not me and you she's playing to. Right. She's playing to the other people who read your pieces. And uh, I don't think most of them are as dumb that they're going to fall for it, but I could be wrong. And it really doesn't take many... Really, I mean, we're all working at the margins because we can't really, we're not going to convince Biden that he's wrong, right? We're not going to convince, uh, you know, it, Kamala Harris. Yes. It, it's why it's important, I think, too, on, on any of this, you know, COVID stuff and others 
to to remain as focused as we can be on the free speech part of it, because that's the systemic process. If we have a society in which we can all debate this, it doesn't mean we're not going to be wrong. It just means that it's easier for us to kind of get nudged back to right because people can say, hey, wait a second, it's not working. And and so that's that's the key in all of this. And I think it's the most frightening aspect of it the degree to which powerful forces in society are anti-free speech and just blatantly anti-free speech and that the, you know, uh, folks that you expect to be better. I mean, the, the left used to be pretty good about, you know, the FBI ought not to browbeat, you know, uh, private businesses into towing the government line. Well, now they're, they're cheering the FBI on. Uh, so it's, it, we we live in very interesting times, uh, as the Chinese curse goes. Well, that leaves us just with two pieces, I think, doesn't it? And I'm going to encourage people to go read those. Uh, one of them is Justice Almost Done, which is about Oberlin College, where uh, a, a bakery off campus that is frequented by, you know, right next to the campus uh, that that had a business relationship with Oberlin and a lot of people go there because it's close to the campus. Uh, guy stole something, shoplifted. They caught him, physically caught him. He happened to be black. So, of course, they're wrong to have to have caught him. And the it's it's one thing for that guy who eventually admitted that he had stolen it and and so on. So I think he's he's not as culpable in many ways as Oberlin College, which turned it into a big race thing. Uh, and that somehow this bakery was racist because they didn't want to be stole from. Anyway, uh, they are winning uh, and and won at another level to uh, collect $38 million from Oberlin College, uh, $38 million that maybe would teach Oberlin a lesson, well, we can hope, hope springs eternal. And now the only place to go, because that was the Ohio Supreme Court, is to go to the U.S. Supreme Court. I don't think they're going to hear it. I think that this bakery uh, is going to win. But go read read this piece, and it links to other previous pieces we've done, as well as more information on that story. It's an important story because, you know, it used to be that if you caught someone stealing, that you weren't the bad guy. They were. And when you realize you live in a society in which, no, that depends on what the races are of the people who stole and who got stolen from, you realize how how far we've fallen. And then the other piece, uh, the feel-good piece of the week, was uh, the last of the big spenders. And this is OpenTheBooks.com. Finally got California uh, to start opening their books and putting stuff online. Knowledge is power. Uh, the truth shall, shut us, shall uh, set us free. I didn't say any dirty words there. That's good. That was our our week. Uh, ended with uh, with Biden suggesting a lot of us are fascists, but uh, I don't think we are. And I think, uh, but I do think we have people in in uh, Washington who, you know, they 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 love the idea of a massive state. And uh, and so when they when they look like fascists, as they're calling us fascists, I think it it maybe suggests what's really going on. I don't suppose you had an, uh, a thought of the week that you wanted to talk about, did you? 
You know, I had several that I really liked. We uh, we got a lot of play off of uh, Noam Chomsky's comment that the general population doesn't know what's happening and it doesn't even know that it doesn't know. But, you know, I think the, the last part of that may be less true than it once was in that uh, I think people increasingly realize they're being lied to all the time. And so therefore they don't know what they don't know. Um, and then we also had two others that I thought were, were really good um, by uh, Gary Kos Kosparov, uh, who's a Russian uh, chess player uh, who's become a big uh, human rights advocate, uh, uh, very good guy. And he said, uh, the point of modern propaganda isn't only to misinform or push an agenda, it is to exhaust your critical thinking, to annihilate truth. And I think when we think about the craziness back and forth in our society, uh, you know, that that it, it just rings true that it's it's not just to misinform us, but to almost make it impossible to know what's going on. So we throw up our hands and say, you know, life is good. A lot of material wealth in this country. Uh, you can have a good time if you just don't, you know, busy your pretty little head with uh, with a bunch of political uh, concerns. But that's also not going to work as we get poorer because of inflation and financial misdeeds and horrendous cycles and all that kind of stuff. So this is going to get very it's going to get more interesting. But I think people are I think you're right. I think people are understanding that that they've been lied to and that the system is kind of corrupt at the core in some interesting ways. I mentioned earlier, you know, some issues that I think it's going to be key uh, for the people to find ways to bring some issues forward that help unite us. Uh, party, you know, getting somebody to run for president that's not likely to unite us because it's going to be a Republican versus Democrat. It's going to be somewhat split. Uh, but I think of how the term limits issue, I think, united people. And if we somehow could get term limits on Congress, it would be something that would restore a tremendous amount of faith that we can control our, our own destiny. And I think issues like citizen-only voting is a way to allow people to, to set the parameters in a way that reminds us, okay, we do live in a, in a world where, you know, certain rules are followed and, and it's not so crazy all the time. And, and I think that those sorts of things, we need something to pull people together. And we have all kinds of issues, you know, criminal justice reform, which has been a terribly divisive issue isn't a divisive issue. There's all kinds of things that the, the arch conservative and the liberal Democrat agree on. It's our political process that stands in the way of that agreement happening. And that means that the more we can push issues, critical issues that, that have huge amounts of support, but that our political process is standing in the way of, I think that helps us to kind of get to a point where we're not at each other's throats we kind of realize hey there's some common ground here if we could get away from the uh the bozos in washington well getting away from the bozos in washington i certainly would like to do that but that seems <laughs> that seems a pipe dream but we can you know we can, we can, we can uh, maybe so but gosh it's a it's a dream 
it's a dream worth holding on to. And I I do want to say one thing is that as awful as they are, they are getting funnier and funnier all the time. I mean, the the images of Biden is funnier than anything Trump ever said. I mean, that is so richly goofy that I think that maybe I mean I I argued today online that that this is reading like a weird Philip K. Dick novel with simulacra and and maybe the our reality has been programmed by the Large Hadron Collider because this is just goofy as all get out and uh, and our I don't our know leader, what you're talking about I still think it's funny well it's just hilarious the whole thing seems <laughs> science fiction and goofy I mean everybody the, the the leaders seem to be all so serious and you know really committed to their positions but every one of them in some sense is absurd. I mean, there's yes. not there is not an element that there's not an absurdity involved on some deep level, and the idea that Trump and Biden are serious uh, antagonists with deep positions that you know sort of display you know real choices those are false choices. There's just nonsense everywhere. Th- these are not people that I would follow on a normal day, and it's certainly not they that I go to for leadership on ideas. That's absurd. Well, and 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 look, uh, when Donald Trump was elected president, his his negatives were around the sixty percent mark. So uh, it clearly wasn't. Hey, we all love Donald Trump. Uh, when sixty percent of the country uh, has a negative opinion of you, and they and you're elected president, uh, not with a popular majority, but winning enough states and so on, the way it's done, and obviously with a lot more support than than forty percent. So there were clearly a number of people who voted for Trump who didn't like him. They just thought he'd be better than the alternative of Hillary Clinton. And you you look at, at, at Biden becoming president. I mean, this is someone who ran for president numerous times and had trouble getting out of the 1% range. And partly because he lies a lot, he plagiarizes, he's full of it. And everyone kind of recognized that. And the only reason he's president now is because everyone else, especially Bernie Sanders, was so bad, even though they had more support among Democrats than Biden did, that there was this huge, you know, uh, circle of wagons done where everyone got out of the race and anointed Biden because he was the only this this kind of uh, uh, what's the the being there uh, movie, the you know, this guy who is really not with it is going to be our stand-in because he's the only guy who can beat Trump. And uh, and so we, you know, we we have people at the top who it's it's a little bit funny how they got there. And and the other part of the Trump piece of this that that always should should come up is there are a number of people who voted for Trump, obviously as I pointed out, who who don't particularly like him. I think one of the key factors that got them to vote for Trump is that he is hated by the national media. He's hated by the establishment. And I always saw him as part of the establishment, but at a certain point, the hatred for him from the establishment overwhelmed that view of mine. Um, and, And so this is a lot of that support is not support for Donald Trump's personality. It is support for anyone who will punch the establishment right in the nose. And and that that emotion, I second that emotion. 
uh, because, and figuratively, not in actual, I don't want to actually hit anyone, but in a figurative sense, I'd like to cold cock him (laughs) right in the head. Though I think that he's really <laughs> aiming three feet lower, but um, <laughs> not that's me actually that part of his... pool. I want a couple good headshots. Yeah, it, it's it's a really interesting position because you know I did not vote for him in 2016, and I voted for him in 2020. I'd never voted for a Republican before. I'd never voted for a Democrat for the presidency of the United States, but well, I didn't care for the, the Libertarian candidate and. And I really didn't like Biden Harris. There was, I mean, I, I I recognized Biden as corrupt and Harris as whatever corrupt. that is. Okay, you know, and she's and corrupt also, too. Just, yeah, just and not also, as well known. And corrupt. also, she saw, she l- literally embraced communist talking points. When she did that, that was the one I decided I was going to vote for Trump. Not because I like Trump. In fact, I was d- already developing the opinion that he's to blame for the COVID nonsense in the world. Uh, not anyone else. He is to blame. Well, he, he was did, in a position to do something about it. And, didn't. and he didn't. Um, he did the and, wrong And we've thing. talked about how as much as the deep state has been antagonistic, he's never quite come to grips with the fact that there's a deep state, at least in terms of the way he's acted um, and and not declassifying things that I think he probably should have and so on and so on. But it's it's. Uh, you know, Trump is is a hard guy for me to like, uh, but I'm very thankful that he beat Hillary Clinton uh, for a couple of reasons. I think uh, he nominated three uh, pretty good, especially Gorsuch, but three pretty good uh, uh, Supreme Court justices where Hillary would have nominated three horrible ones. And he stood up to China. And I think in the process of doing that helped to wake up the world to a you know existential threat to freedom around the globe, and so you know I I can say a lot of negative things about Trump, uh, but but I'm very glad he was president, and and I think in, in the same way that a lot of evangelicals who maybe their issue was abortion and and feel like he did great stuff for them, but who never were quite comfortable with him, I sort of feel the same the same way that that. Uh, I think, uh, thank goodness, we dodged the bullet of Hillary Clinton, and and thank goodness we had someone who shook up some things that desperately needed to be shook up. Well, I think he's the uh, revelatory agent because I think that's it's with Trump that people realize to what extent that the deep state has fangs. They were willing to bear their fangs to 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 engage in illegal acts, and I think it's really clear to like half the population now that the FBI, the CIA, the NSA, they will all work together to destroy a president that's elected in the United States on fake grounds. They don't, they don't even bother to find good grounds. They will use fake grounds. And that's amazingly significant because I think that, as, you, as I've said before, I've come to believe that we don't live in a republic anymore. We live in a conservatorship, and it's the surveillance state, the deep state, that runs the country. The, the wannabe CCP state. Yes. And uh, well, it's it, in a sense, it's the Operation Paperclip state. Uh, it's the, I mean, thousands. Operation of Nazi, Paperclip. The Nazis that were brought into the U.S. government and the, and the deep state to serve, uh, to serve as scientists and advisors and in the CIA and, and, and the spy outfits 
because they had such good knowledge of spying and i think they transformed the 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 uh, wide and deep states into something that was very dangerous and i didn't used to believe this this is the thing that's really changed for me probably in the last five years is that i've come to believe that the deep state has a power and an agenda that americans don't understand because they don't and will not confront some of the strangest stories that are true they won't construct uh, confront the truths about mk ultra they won't uh, confront the truth. NP Ultra, MK Ultra, the CIA's programs to do all sorts of really strange things to human beings in experimenting about mind control, the, giving people drugs, syphilis, all sorts of things. They did right. just horrible, horrible crimes against humanity, and this was a CIA operation, and we now know lots about it, and and that's just the tip of the iceberg. As soon as you read about Operation Northwoods, which never went into effect but was seriously contemplated by the Joint Chiefs of Staff to kill Americans to make a war with Cuba. When we, when you realize that this was a real plan, that, that Curtis LeMay and that crowd were willing to kill Americans for, to make it seem like Ch uh, Cuba did it, so that we'd have an excuse to go to war with Cuba. When you realize that that stuff could happen, at some point Americans are going to realize that the deep state is very, very dangerous. It's it's like child corpses piling up and people not caring about it. It is. It is. Because the, the, the corpses have piled up and Americans haven't cared. But I think they're starting to care. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll take issue there. They do care. They don't know. They don't know about it. And yeah, that's 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 the the rub. And that's what what has to change. But I think that they're, that's what I think. That's the thing I think Trump did is that he sort of peeled the lid off of the can of worms that is the and, deep state in America. And our biggest complaint is that he didn't peel the lid more. Right. Right. Well he didn't know what to do with we didn't know what to do. He didn't know what to do with the worms when he got them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because he, he's sort of he's a creature of the deep state too. Or the wide state anyway. I mean he loves uh condemning property and bringing it to private hands right. for development. Right. Right. I mean, that's as that is as corrupt as anything that American governments normally do, just on a daily basis. We should probably wrap this up. Let people go, uh, you know, eat dinner or uh, go to the movies. Next week will be the first week in the uh, home stretch of the 2022 campaign, the post Labor Day uh, excitement. And I haven't been following any of the local races anywhere in any state. I know nothing what's going on along. So I'll be interested to see what you write about it. If you do any writing about it. I think I better. I think yeah. I better. Okay. See you next week. Thank you.